Hello, how are you? And welcome back to Between Me and Drew, the podcast with Clara Joyce Flowers. My name is Drew, and um, I hope you're having a great day. Um, so I have the privilege um, of owning and operating and working with an amazing group of people here at Clara Joyce Flowers. Um, and we are a specialty cut flower and foliage farm that focuses just on ornamental value crops and we also have a wedding and event design business called Clara Joyce Weddings. We all operate together um, and um, we're very very excited. I'm very excited um, about this podcast and today's episode um, which is uh, is a factor that plays such an immense role in the process of growing anything. Um, regardless of whether you're growing vegetables or if you're growing a specialty herb or if you're growing flowers like we do here, irrigation is so, so important. And um, that's all we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about different types of irrigation, things that we look for when we are looking into a new method of irrigation. Um, we'll talk about sourcing for different types of irrigation and companies that we use. Um, and have used in the past. And we'll talk about a few hacks that we um, have implemented into our daily life here at the farm. Um, so there is lots of stuff that we'll talk about today, and um, I'm very, very excited. I know that irrigation and the, the topic of irrigation, um, or just frankly moving water in general, um, can be a little challenging to wrap your mind around, maybe a little intimidating if you're new to um, this process or this part of growing. Um, but I think that once you understand the concepts of um, how to set up an irrigation system, things to look for, etc., um, it makes the entire process moving forward much more manageable. And it just becomes part of what you do when you're setting up beds or when you're setting up a new growing space. So my goal for today is to share our knowledge, maybe share a few tips and tricks along the way um, that you're able to use and um, make irrigation and the process of watering a little bit more simplified um, on your growing space. So without any other mouth flub, um, let's get going. Um, I need to pull up my notes here, and I have my coffee ready to go. So we are um, going to dive right in. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the different types of irrigation. And um, you might be a little surprised, maybe, if you're brand new to this, um, to, to learn or to hear that there are um, lots of different types of irrigation. Um, you know, we have... Anything that would range from subsoil irrigation, where the water droplets are being um, dispersed underneath the soil surface. We have mists. We have overhead sprinklers. There's lots of different types. Um, but the first one that we're going to talk about is drip irrigation. Um, drip irrigation is um, the type of irrigation that we implement the most here at the farm. Um, and the reason that is is because all of the annuals that we're growing in our field 
they have to be irrigated. Um, and perennials would be the same way for the first season as well. Um, but when we're talking about annuals specifically, we're doing all of those on a shaped bed. And what that means is that we have an implement that we pull behind our tractor that pulls soil together, uh, loose surface soil, and then it shapes that into a four inch high raised bed. And then it covers that with a biodegradable film um, that is we're using as a weed barrier and um, to, to increase soil temperature or things like that. Um, but that implement also is able to add fertilizers and amendments to our soil all in that same process. And it will also put two lines of drip tape underneath the soil at that same time too. Um, so since we have access to this tool, um, we are setting up irrigation or implementing irrigation um, for as much as we physically can. And the reason we are relying so much on drip is one, because our implement will help us do that. Um, and two, it's the most water conscious method of irrigation. Um, and, and here's why. When we're talking about drip irrigation, we're, we're actually talking about tiny little droplets of water that these big long hoses are um, putting out. And when we're selecting drip irrigation tape, which is what the hose is referred to, um, when we purchase that, we are able to purchase um, tape with different spacings of emitters. And the emitters are built into the tape during the manufacturing process. And we can get emitters that are four inches apart, six inches apart, eight, 10, 12, and I think even 24 inches apart. Um, so we know that if we are planting um, dahlias in the field and we're doing those on a larger spacing or more space in the row of plants, um, then we can get by with using um, a drip tape that has emitters spaced farther apart. Whereas if we are putting drip tape in a direct seeded bed or in a greenhouse, we know that there's a lot more plants in a lot smaller space and they're going to be using more water. So because of that, we need to use a drip tape that has more emitters closer together. So we would be using a four inch spaced emitter or a six inch. Um, the closer your emitters are, the more water that is going to be dispersed at once um, and it's going to be put out more. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, the other big selling point for me is that with drip irrigation, you're not getting any of the um, foliage or the canopy of that plant wet. And that's something that is a, it is a problem for us um, with things like overhead or sprinklers, um, those two types of irrigation. And the other big thing, or I should... Re retract that statement. Um, but when we are putting water just at the soil surface or at the root zone, um, the plant is more efficient or more, yeah, I guess it is more efficient um, in usage. So the the moisture, there, the water that we're putting out is right where it needs to go. So that's number one. Number two, uh, if we're not introducing any additional moisture to foliage or canopy of the plant, um, we're also reducing our risk of um, disease pressure, disease presence, honestly. Um, things like fungals, powdery mildews, 
all of those um, bad guys essentially are going to feed on those very wet, humid spaces. So that's prime breeding ground for fungal outbreaks. Um, and um, situations like that with wet canopies are going to happen organically on their own when we're talking about rain, humid days, foggy mornings, things like that. Um, but if we can decrease the amount of time that that canopy is wet, um, that's more of a chance or less of a chance for those bad situations to happen. Um, now, I know that there are growers who um, absolutely hate the thought process of doing drip, and like I totally get why, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but they're also in a very different growing zone than we are, different climate. So I know that in the summertime, in our greenhouses, it is very, very hot and very, very humid. And the same can be said for outside in the field, too. So we already do have um, mildews and molds happening on their own. So I don't want to um, give those pests or those diseases any more um, comfort, we'll say. We want to make this process as difficult, this process of reproduction as difficult for them as we can. Um, so removing that... Um, uh, situation is kind of how or one way that we're able to do that. Um, so drip is fantastic. Um, the other bonus I think with drip is that depending on where you're using it, you can use it for multiple seasons. Um, so when we're using drip irrigation in our greenhouses, we're able to send and when we're using drip in the greenhouses in particular, that drip tape is on the surface of the soil because we're not able to get our bed shaper into the greenhouses in a very efficient manner. So when we are flipping those greenhouse beds, we're able to pull the drip tape out the end of the greenhouse and bring that same tape back in once we are finished uh, amending and cultivating that soil and we've got beautiful beds prepared. Um, so that's super nice. We're able to reuse that drip tape as long as we don't have a high amount of salt buildup in drip in the drip lines. Um, we do have a fair amount of lime here in our water. We do we're we're pulling water from a well, um, not from city water. Um, so we do have some lime buildup, and over time, um, you will notice that emitters within the drip tape will close up. Um, if those salts are um, accumulating um, very rapidly. And you'll be able to tell that because um, over the course of a season, when you are watering through a drip system, you will notice um, little rings almost of salts that will accumulate on the surface of the soil where um, that water is evaporating from. So you'll be able to get an idea of you know, do you have a lot of salts in your water? Do you not have any salts in your water? Chances are you probably do. Um, so you'll be able to, to, to see that that way. One thing to keep in mind when we are using the bed shaper in the field with drip tape, that drip, those drip lines we're only using one time. Um, and the reason that is is because the drip tape that we're using comes on a 10,000-foot roll. And in order for the bed shaper to do its processes in the most efficient manner, we really need to just be utilizing that roll um, instead of trying to piece, you know, two hundred foot drip lines through the bed shaper 
um, one at a time because that's just not not very efficient. Um, however, those drip tape lines that we are pulling out of the field, those can, if they're in good condition and they haven't been stuck with a shovel or punched with a dibbler or something, um, those can be reused in greenhouses, in caterpillar tunnels. You can use old drip line as um, rope and as tie downs. I've seen it done before, so I know you can do it. Um, it is a relatively strong material that does have some elasticity to it. Um, so that can be you know, reused in so many different ways. Um, I've seen people use it as marking tags because it's black. You can use a white or a silver Sharpie on it um, and mark your dahlia crates. So there's lots and lots of different things you can do with it. Um, the one thing, if you are in a metropolitan or somewhat of an urban area, um, a lot of times black agricultural plastics are not recyclable. Um, if they are recyclable, they usually have to be in their own specific, like specified um, container for receiving. Um, so that's one thing to kind of keep in mind if you are looking into um, drip irrigation. If you are growing on a smaller, more urban space, um, then you, and you're probably not going to be using a, a bed shaper, um, then you definitely can be reusing these drip lines um, for several growing seasons. So you will have those for, for quite a while. Um, so that is definitely there. The next type of irrigation that we're going to talk about is overhead. Um, and I think from a setup perspective, overhead irrigation can be one of the most efficient ways to water. Um, however, <laughs> there definitely is a, is a however with this one. Um, you're going to be using a lot more water, like a lot more volume of water than you would if you were utilizing drip lines. Um, so that's one of the things that you really have to keep in mind with overhead totally aside from the uh, pathological processes that you um, are in impacting as well. Um, with overhead irrigation, this would be something like a rotary sprinkler or um, like a wobbler system. I know there are lots of farms that utilize wobblers. Um, I think those are fantastic for direct seeded crops that you're not going to be putting drip tape on uh, if you're growing those on a very large scale. Um, I know Sunny Meadows in Ohio utilizes d uh, wobblers and they're fantastic. Um, I've also seen wobblers and um, like suspended misting systems or uh, sprinklers um, done a lot in uh, growing structures. So caterpillar tunnels, greenhouses, things like that. Um, my, my biggest catch with that is do this on a very site-specific basis and really understand the crops that you're growing. Um, so overhead watering um, on something like dahlias, um, I, I probably would not recommend just because I know that dahlias can be very, very susceptible to a lot of those uh, diseases and fungals. Um, however, I do know that overhead watering dahlias can be a really great way to keep that plant somewhat cooler. Um, dahlias in particular are not super keen on, you know, 120 degree days with 80%, 95% humidity. Um, 
So if you can overhead water on those very specific times to help keep that plant cool, you might be gaining a little something there. But you do have to understand that you need that canopy and the undersides of those leaves to and the middle of those beds, basically, the where the foliage is, um, to dry out completely. Otherwise, if it's not drying out, um, then you are just speeding up that problem process a lot quicker. Um, I do see more people working their way into overhead watering um, because if you're growing on a smaller scale, drip irrigation can be um, very frustrating to work with. Um, it can be a difficult process if you're doing it all by hand. It can be a little cumbersome, so I, I do see people utilizing um, sprinklers or overhead in that regard. Um, and also, if you're in an area that you don't have to rely on consistent irrigation, um, overhead might be, honestly, the best option for you. You know, if you know your weather patterns and you get very consistent rains throughout the duration of the growing uh, season, then you might not need to have drip. Um, or if it, if you're growing a crop that can handle some drier conditions, then you might not need either of these, and you'll just you know throw out a few sprinklers if you experience a drought that year. And that's how we usually, and I say usually, um, are able to go about some of our direct seeded crops like sunflowers. You know, we usually have very consistent rainfall here at the farm, and um, crops that are a little bit more vigorous in root production and they are able to go deeper into the soil to reach the water supply um, they we, we don't have to really do a whole lot for sunflowers now last year or 2021 um, was a much different story <laughs> if you were uh, following along for that you knew or maybe you might have picked up on um, we we had a very serious drought here and basically, if it didn't have irrigation, it died. Um, and that was something that we were not prepared for. It definitely caught me off guard. Um, so we lost a lot of our annuals, direct seeded annuals, um, and even bedded annuals that we just weren't ready um, for for that serious of a drought. Um, so once we kind of got our feet back under ourselves, we, we were drip irrigating everything. If we wanted it to live, it had to be on drip. Um, and that was very, very true across the board. So, um, and I say it was on drip because that's just what our farm is set up for. It's what we, we've done from the beginning. Um, the next type of irrigation um, is soaker hoses. And I need to specify that soaker hoses are different than drip tape. Um, when I say soaker hoses, I'm referencing... Um, something that would very much resemble a garden hose. Um, you're going to be able to find soaker hoses very readily um, at any box store um, in the gardening area. And soaker hoses are going to put out large volumes of water in a drip-like manner, um, but a lot, lot more water and not as easily controlled either. Um, because it's putting out so much volume of water, 
in a relatively short and small amount of space, it's not the most efficient. And um, it's, it, it is not something that I would recommend for someone who is trying to irrigate on a volume because you'll probably have a very hard time, um, one, affording it because it can be very expensive, um, and two, being able to supply enough water to run hundreds of feet of soaker hose, um, which would be a very different story if you were working with drip tape. Um, drip tape is relatively cost effective. I think a thousand foot or ten thousand foot roll is going to be, depending on your emitter spacing, anywhere from one hundred and eighty five to two hundred and fifty dollars, um, and that's going to last you a very very long time. Um, the other thing with soaker hoses is that they're really designed for like landscaping purposes and flower beds around a home. Um, that's that is. The, the target audience for that product specifically, um, not necessarily for production. If you are, you know, just getting started and you've got maybe like three raised beds and you're not ready to like dive in with like a full-blown drip system, and I think then I think that um, utilizing one soaker hose to make a big loop in your raised bed would be perfect. I think that's like more than enough. Um, the one thing that I've, I've noticed and will caution you on with soaker hoses in particular, um, is that because they're putting out such a large volume of water, it is very, very easy to overwater things with this type of irrigation. Um, so if you're growing something that doesn't like wet feet, it has a very, it's very susceptible to root rot, which would be dahlias, tulips, ranunculus, things like that. Um, then you, you really need to like be aware of the existing moisture in your soil. So you're going to be, you know, taking a little scoop out of the soil every now and then to feel, is it super wet? Is it soggy? We don't want it to be soggy at all. Um, so then you're going to adjust how much you're watering from there. Um, the last type of watering that I talked about or uh, wrote in my notes was by hand. And I wrote, yikes behind that <laughs> so the the one reason I, I brought up by hand watering so I'm, I'm talking like with a hose and like a watering wand um, when we're talking about growing in a propagation house or a small very small greenhouse where we're maybe raising bedding plants or we're you know growing out some things in like a four inch pot that'll be planted outside eventually I think watering by hand can be a great option for those specific situations. Um, and I'm, I'm referencing and relying on the knowledge bank from our own experience here at the farm with our propagation house. Um, and I, I know that we have so many different things happening in the propagation house with so many different stages of growth um, that really watering by hand is the the best option for us to make sure that we're able to get, you know, the large three gallon mother pots of mums enough water, um, and then still be able to efficiently water the 128 flats of seedlings. Um, because a three gallon mother pot is going to use a lot more water than a 128 cell would. So it would be very difficult to set all of those different zones up in a relatively small prop house like we have with a misting system. 
Um, misting systems are fantastic if we're talking about growing transplants in the summertime or even late spring when we've got a gazillion other things going on. Um, but when we have, you know, maybe a couple hundred flats and 150 mother pots, it, it, it would be a little more difficult to kind of justify and manage more so um, a, a misting system in that capacity. Um, do I think that misting systems in greenhouses are amazing and wonderful? Absolutely. Um, because you can also hook up a injecting system to a mister and um, inject through foliar feeding. You can inject um, if you if you are experiencing um, like a, a black spot or a, a powdery mildew situation, you can inject copper through misting, and you can do all of that through everything else we talked about too. Um, but that that has you know a lot of benefits to it. So at this point, we've kind of touched on the main types of of irrigation, things that we do, things we've had experience with. Um, but I think one of the larger points of importance is sourcing you know where where are we going to get all this crap from um and this kind of should be like a reoccurring theme with me um but once you find a drip supply company that you like you know some someone that you get great customer service from it's reliable it's speedy it's cost efficient um and cost effective um then you know stick with that one place and um there is several reasons why you would want to stick with one place. Um, the places that we'll talk about for sourcing are amazing, wonderful, super reliable. I've only had good experiences with them. However, um, each line that they sell might be a little bit different. And when we are um, having a, a, ward, a wide variety, a large variety of growing zones, growing spaces, um, you know, different employees, people helping, um, having things be as uniform across the board as possible is very, very important um, because you need all of your supplies and your tools and your little Im implements and your little fittings and all the little gadgets to work across the board. So instead of ordering from seven different places and then thinking everything's going to be cute and great, um, maybe just, maybe just pick one and, um, just use that one company so that everything works. Um, definitely learned that one. So that, that's my kind of, um, bit of information before we talk about all these great places. Um, the first one we're going to talk about is Dripworks and, um, Dripworks was the first company that I ever purchased a drip system through, um, back in the very, very beginning of the vegetable days. Um, which if you didn't know, um, my farm started as a vegetable farm and, um, Dripworks was great in the very beginning because they had complete kits that were somewhat customizable to the space that you were trying to cover. Um, but they had everything that you would need in the kits. So it had the headline, it had the, um, 
fittings that you punch into the header line that attached to the drip tape. It had the end, t it, the closures for everything. It had the pressure regulators. It had the filter. It had this, that, and the other thing. Um, so that was great, you know, just being able to purchase that kit for the very first time, um, really understand what all of those little bits and pieces do and did um, was really, really huge for me to um, be able to learn about what to look for, things that I can simplify on my own. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of Dripworks. Um, I think you do pay a little bit more for that um, convenience of having it all prepared for you. Um, but honestly, if you're just getting started into a drip system or really any irrigation system um, at all, I think it's a, a great place to start. And I could be wrong in this, but I do know in the beginning um, they did also offer um, like sprinkler systems. So you can purchase um, a, a kit that you would suspend or hang from the roof of your greenhouse or your caterpillar tunnel. Um, and it would be able to water the entire thing for you. Um, you could purchase a, a wobbler kit, which is like a, a field or a, a greenhouse um, uh, irrigation system, overhead irrigation system. So they have lots and lots of things available to you. So that's a, a really great place to start. Shipping was always very quick. If it was a somewhat of an emergency and we needed, you know, a certain fitting that we didn't have on hand, um, it was, you know, right there, ready to go. Um, the next place that we'll talk about is where we do the vast majority of our supply shopping from, um, and that's Nolt's Produce Supply. They have a location in Pennsylvania and Iowa. Um, if you've never ordered from Nolts before, there are a few things you should know. Um, it is a very small family-run company. They have a very wide variety of things and supplies that you would need. Um, so their business is modeled and, and designed for the uh, vegetable producer and the nursery plant industry. So like small, very small nursery growers. Um, that's who their original clientele base was, and that's who they are designed to serve. Um, it should also be noted um, that they are not an online company. So their catalog of available product is on their website, so you do have access to that, but you're not able to order from their website. That's not their speed that's not what they do um, so you either need to email in your order or call in your order or physically show up and go shopping basically um, so that can be a little bit of a challenge if it is an if it's an urgent situation um, their their book of business that they and their clientele base that they're serving has also massively exploded over the past two to three years. Um, so they definitely feel it in, in the heat of growing season. Um, so if it's an emergency and you need something like yesterday, um, it's probably not the best um, place for you to go. Um, however, if we know and we understand that um, situation and we, and we know that that's how that company works, um, you 
know what you need for product for the year. So you pre-order that 12 months in advance and you order extra because stuff happens. You know, things break, things get frozen and they crack. Someone runs over this with the lawnmower. Somebody hits this with the ATV. You know, stuff like that happens. And you just have to be able to plan for it accordingly. Um, so with that in mind and those thought processes in mind, um, Nolts is very cost effective. Um, the service that they do provide is great. Um, and I say that not with hesitation, um, but just with an understanding that there are points in the season where you are not going to be able to call them because they turn their phones off um, because they are so busy. And that is very real. Um, for the majority of the 2021 growing season, if you needed something, you had to send in an email and you're probably going to not get a response for a while because that's just how busy they are. Um, but with understanding that, you just move forward. Um, that's where we get all of our drip tape from. We get all of our emitters, all of our headline misting systems, all that comes through Nolts. So love them. Um, Another really great company that I've heard nothing but good things from um, is Rainflow. And uh, Rainflow is actually a manufacturer slash distributor um, for a lot of things. And um, from what I've heard and the experiences of people that I've worked with and my friends who've utilized Rainflow, um, they are more so a service-oriented company. Um, so with, with Rainflow, you are able to have someone basically draw up an irrigation plan for you, or at some point you were able to. Um, I'm not sure if that's still a current um, op option or not. Um, but Rainflow also has um, implements like water wheel transplanters, um, bed shapers, all that stuff. You can get straight through Rainflow, and um, it's fantastic. And uh, that... it was a little bit of a stumbling block for me in the beginning, but Rainflow is R-A-I-N-F-L-O. Um, so when you're doing all of your research, um, that's who you're you're looking for. And their company colors are green and yellow, I believe. Um, I should check on that. I just looked, and the Rainflow color is green, so that will tell you where you need to go. <laughs> um, but the last place that we'll talk about is Grower Supply. And um, Grower Supply has lots and lots of options. They've got everything you could ever need. Um, they are a company that is more so oriented towards um, structures and, and growing in structures. Um, so greenhouses, hoop houses, um, hydroponics, things like that. Um, but they've got um, everything you could need. And they are actually a company of um, farm tech, which is a very uh, close uh, to, to me. Farm tech is based out of Dyersville, Iowa, um, and um, they've got a lot of great things. Um, grower Supply is more so, again, ir oriented towards having, like, kits. Um, so you would buy a kit to water your greenhouse. You would buy a kit to, you know, do whatever. Um, and they'll have all of that, like, prepared for you. So you just have to install it, basically. Um, but 
grower supply, if you're in like the Midwest region and you want the opportunity to purchase online and you, you know, want someone who's going to be there to pick up your phone call and respond to your email quickly, um, this might be a, a, a better company to, to work with. Um, you are probably going to pay a little bit more in the actual product than if you're going through a Nolts or someone else, um, but it is urgent. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is a lot of the irrigation supplies, like the drip tape rolls specifically, are very, very heavy. Um, so when you have to ship that, um, keep in mind when you're making the decision of the company that you're going to work with, keep in mind their general proximity to you, to you. Um, because if they're closer to you, then you will be paying less in shipping. If they're farther away from you, you'll be paying more. Um, so I know that when we order large volumes of supplies, like we're talking pallets worth, um, there is a local shipping company here that we can ship a pallet for a hundred dollars. Um, whereas if, and they, they only serve like a few States in the Midwest, which is much different than if we were ordering something from New Jersey or Connecticut and it has to come on a pallet, then it's going to be put on more of your nationwide, um, delivery. So you're going to be paying a lot more for that, whether it's, you know, um, a, a FedEx delivery or an, an RNL delivery, someone like that. Um, it's going to be more than a hundred bucks promise. Um, so do keep that thought process in mind. Um, I kind of want to move away from sourcing and talk about a few, um, specific hacks, if you will, um, that we've come up with over the years. Um, and I'm going to grab a cup of coffee and I'll be right back. All right, so I'm kind of excited for this part because I definitely get like a little bit of a rush or an immense amount of satisfaction from streamlining a process, making it more efficient, etc. Um, so what I've prepared and what I'm going to share um, are my experiences only. These may or may not work for you. Um, and you really should not do this, not do all of these things like full bore right out of the gate. Like I want you to learn the correct by the book way to do it. And then we can start to like get a little skimpy and, uh, I maybe, maybe skimpy isn't the right word. Maybe we should like say efficient. Maybe that's just better. Um, but here we go. Um, so when you purchase your first kit, um, which I think is a great first option, you will notice that there are a lot of little like parts and pieces that um, are useful. They're very useful, but there are more cost-effective things for us to use. Um, and I think the, the majority of the, those parts and pieces that they're going to sell you in this kit that are what I would consider an accessory or a fluffy piece um, would be something like the filter, um, some of, sometimes pressure regulators can be fluffy, um, the fancy end caps for the drip lines, the fancy end cap for the header line, all of those things are nice to have. Are they necessary? Eh, there's cheaper things to use. Um, so let's start with, um, the header line. So when we're talking about drip lines, drip systems specifically, um, you have a supply line. We call that a header line. Um, and that's typically a harder, more of a rigid type plastic. Um, 
and um, you'll utilize either a half inch, a three quarter, or a one inch line usually for your your supply header. Um, and one end of that will hook up to your pressure regulator, your filter, your timer, whatever, which will then be attached to either your garden hose or your hydrant. Um, and the other end of that um, is going to have a cap or some sort of a closure thing, okay? Um, a lot of times when you buy a kit, it'll come with a very fancy little twist on end cap. If you go to rebuy that, you're probably going to pay like two to maybe like three dollars for those fancy end caps for header lines, if it's a larger one. Um, but you can do the same thing with like a forty cent pipe clamp from the hardware store. Um, all you're going to do is just take the header line and fold it in half, so you're putting a kink in it. You're going to slide the pipe clamp or the the pipe strap clamp over that. Um, hook onto it with either a drill or a small ratchet and tighten her down and that does the job okay so um, instead of paying two dollars for a fancy little black thing with a twist uh, you're doing the same thing with your drill and a pipe pipe clamp okay so we've we've trimmed that process and that part of the puzzle up um, when we are now talking about the specific drip lines themselves, so the things that's going to be running the length of your bed or your row, um, if you're only running a single line down that bed, um, they are going to send you a fancy little plug that you'll be able to screw into the end of that drip line, okay, or something of that sort. That is totally not necessary, okay? Um, all you really need to do is just tie two knots in the end of that drip line, um, as tight as you can, and then bury the end of the drip line in the soil. And the reason you're going to bury it is so that it looks not so ugly. Um, and it's also going to give you a little bit of tension on that drip line too. If you notice that, and you will definitely see this, but when you are laying out drip line, it's going to be, um, cool. The, the drip tape itself is going to not have been in the sun probably, so it's going to be a little stiffer. Um, when that drip line heats up over the course of the day, it's going to start to like move around the bed. It'll get like this little snake action to it. Sometimes it'll kink up in the center. Um, and that's just because the sun is heating and expanding that plastic. So that expansion needs to go somewhere. So that's why you get these lines that look like they're moving around. That can be very annoying, okay? So the way around that is you are going to put a stake or something at the end of your row um, that is going to hold that drip line tight and taut. Um, and you can really pull on these drip lines and um, get some really kind of intense tension, um, but you need to do that because as they heat up and expand and contrast and expand and contrast, um, over the course of the season, they um, are going to elongate themselves because that's just how stretched plastic works. Um, when you're talking about sun and heat and all the things. Um, so really having enough tension on that right out of the gate is important. And you'll, over the course of time, when you work with this material more and more, um, you will learn kind of the, the ins and outs and the little quirks that it has. Um, when we're working our way 
up towards the header line again, um, they're going to send an attachment piece that will punch through the side wall of the header line and will attach to the drip tape. Um, most kits will send um, that little connector fitting um, that does not have a turn valve. And um, I think having and paying the extra money for the um, fittings that have the turn valve is a very um, cost of, or it's a very smart thing to do. Um, and the reason that is is because if you are running, you know, an entire irrigation system for your your field or your growing space or whatever, um, there are going to be times when you don't want to water a bed. And um, ha being able to turn off that little valve that's going to turn off that single drip line um, is very important. It's a great uh, tool to kind of have um, in your, your lineup of things to do. Um, a, a reason you would want to have that opportunity or that option is if you've got, you know, 10 beds, let's say. Three of them are in full production. They're blooming. They're zinnias. They're beautiful. It's lovely. And then you've got two beds right next to it that um, you just seeded. And they're just starting to emerge and germinate. Those beds that are in full production are going to be using a lot more water than the beds that you just seeded. Okay, So you're going to be able to turn off those freshly seeded beds um, maybe you know for one day or every other day so that you aren't drowning and overwatering those seeds or those transplants. So little things like that um, can make a, a big difference. Um, now we're working our way more towards the, the hydrant um, or our water sub source. Um, in the beginning, I thought that water filters for your drip systems were like super duper important. Um, and if you are planning on reusing your drip lines for a long period of time, like we're talking four or five years, then yes, having a filter is very important. Or if you know that your water supply is very dirty, like you might have a shallow well and it is known to pull up sediment, or you might have some silting action happening in your water supply or something like that, then if that's happening to you, then definitely, you know, filters are a lifesaver. Um, here, we're very, very fortunate to have cl relatively clean water. Our biggest thing is that we have a, a relatively high um, salt count or lime count. Um, so that is something that we have here. For our situation, filters like this that would be put into um, a drip system are only going to catch solids. They're not going to filter out dissolved salts. Okay, um, so our filters were not really ever catching anything. Um, so we we now know that when we are setting up new systems, we can skip that part. You know, that's not something that we have to buy um, because the filter isn't doing a whole lot for us here in our specific situation. Um, also, depending on the volume of drip lines that you have and how many emitters and how much water you're planning on putting out, um, and also what your water supply situation is, um, a pressure regulator might not be an absolute necessity for you either. And um, that, I think, is very, very 
situation specific. So definitely do a, pro a system with um, a pressure regulator and then do one without, you know, and, and see, see the difference. Oftentimes you will notice that systems without a pressure regulator will put out more water quicker. Um, the biggest thing or factor to keep in mind that I've experienced is that if you are foregoing a pressure regulator, you have to have a large amount of um, footage or a large amount of water volume that you need to be using. Um, so I would say if you are not using a pressure regulator, you need to have no less than a thousand feet of drip line out, um, which is not very hard for us to do because we're doing, you know, two or four lines of drip tape per bed, depending on the crop and depending on where it's being grown. Um, so those add up very quickly when your beds are 100 feet long. Um, so that is something that you can kind of dabble with and play with um, on your own. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, this is kind of fun. So for our fields, our field beds that we're irrigating, we are laying that drip line with the bed shaper. Okay, so each line or each bed has two individual lines on it and we tie the ends off um, at the end of the bed and we bury those under the soil and it's nice and cute and clean. When we are laying new drip lines for the greenhouses or the, the propagation houses, or not prop house, like the caterpillar tunnels, I should say, um, those all have four lines per bed because plant spacing is a lot closer in growing structures, so we need more water. Um, it's also a lot hotter in those spaces, so the plants are going to be using more water. Um, so all of those beds have at least four lines on them, um, four lines for a three-foot wide bed. And um, this is going to, this, this, what I'm going to tell you is going to challenge you to have a little bit of a visual mindset, okay? So use your imagination. If we have four lines of drip tape on each bed, we only use two pieces of drip tape on each bed, okay? So when we are putting new tape in, we will attach one end of a drip hose to an emitter or to, to a, a fitting that is attached to the header line. We'll run that the entire length of the bed and we'll put a landscape staple at the end of that row where we want that drip line to end, okay? So we're gonna straddle that piece of drip line with this landscape staple. We're going to go in towards the middle of the bed, roughly six inches, put another landscape staple. Okay, so we're effectively starting to make a loop. And then we're going to take that same piece of drip line and run back to the header line on that same bed. So we've made one big loop, okay? And then we're going to attach that um, now our second end of that drip line to the next uh, fitting on the header line. And we're going to do that same process again. So we have two closed loops on each bed, which equals four lines of drip tape. There are a few reasons why we do this. Um, first is it's quicker than having to tie two knots at the end of each drip line. It's a little bit cleaner um, because you don't have, you know, the loose drip line ends. 
there's better natural tension with this process so we don't have to go back through and retighten drip lines as often um, because it's all one big piece. And I think the other thing that is really fascinating to me is if for some reason we, you know, punch through um, a piece of drip line with a shovel or with a trowel or with a harvesting knife or whatever, we can just cut that line right there, tie a knot on either end of the cuts and um, staple down those those pieces so they're not flapping in the breeze. And um, because we're calling this the cl a closed loop system, the uh, back end of the, the piece of drip tape that was cut is still going to get water supply from the other end um, that is attached to water. So you are basically able to water everything still um, because it's just making one big loop. And it, it, I'm sure it's very, very challenging to, to visualize. Um, and I do try to, to show that um, process in action in the greenhouses and the uh, caterpillar tunnels once things are growing. So be on the lookout for that in the spring. Um, and if I don't talk about it or show it, you know, send me a message and I'll, I'll definitely make that an, an emphasis but um yes that's that's been a, a trick that uh i've i don't even know if i saw that somewhere if i came up with it who knows um, but it's something that we've done for a very long time and it is principal practice here um at the farm um other thing i touched on it when we were talking about sourcing but keep all of your fittings the same um because you're going to be purchasing more and more and more parts and pieces. So if you can keep them all within the same company and same brand, um, it's just going to make that blanket process a much easier thing to do. Um, and if you are laying drip tape in the fall, which we do a lot of that in the field because we make the majority of our spring beds in the fall because our springs can be very wet here and we're not able to get out into the field, um, your drip lines really need to be submerged under the soil surface, not just under mulch not just under landscape fabric they need to be submerged in the soil and the reason that is is because over the winter time there are going to be lots of rodents in your soil and they'll live underneath the surface of your mulch they'll live underneath the surface of your landscape fabric because it's a little bit warmer it's more protected and they will chew through your drip lines i've been there i've done it it's a real pain in the butt Okay, so if you have those drip lines submerged underneath the soil, they're a little bit harder to find for these rodents. Okay, so you won't have as many problems. Is it a complete foolproof thing to do? No, absolutely not. Um, is it something to keep in the back of your mind? Yes, definitely. And the last thing we're going to talk about in regards to irrigation is utilize an injector. And um, you can utilize injectors for organic teas. You can utilize injectors for different emulsions and extracts. Um, you can utilize injectors for um, synthetics, synthetic fertilizers, um, insect control, things like that. Um, an injector is going to hook up to your water supply, so your, your hydrant or your hose, um, and it's going to ration out the um, solution that you want to inject through your drip lines. Um, 
there are different options that cost $14 or there's options that cost $1,400, you know? So depending on how big your system is, how much you want it to do, um, really kind of what you expect is what you're going to, to need to pay. Um, if you're doing something on a very small scale, then you could easily get by with like a $15 um, injector off of, I know Nolts has some, I know that Amazon has things that work too. Um, so the options definitely are there. Um, utilizing injectors are super, super fantastic when it comes to um, greenhouses in particular, from my experience. If you're not able to you know, source as much compost or amend your beds as much as you wanted to before you had to get plants planted in that space. Um, if you are able to inject through your drip lines, you can run seaweed extract. You can run super fine fish emulsion through, um, things like that. I will caution you, though. If you are running organic or natural um, emulsions, extracts, etc. through your drip lines, there, it is a possibility, very, very strong possibility, that your emitters will clog up because of the sediment or the material that you are running through those drip lines. So just keep that in mind. Um, otherwise, I think that is going to wrap up our episode today. This got to be a lot longer than I was honestly planning on it to be. So um, I hope you had enough time to get through everything. <laughs> we, we covered a lot. Um, and I think this definitely should be, um, some, some benefit to you. Um, if you are new to the irrigation world. Um, so I hope that this was, um, helpful. I hope maybe answered some questions, pointed you in the right direction on a few things. Um, as always, thank you for being here. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I know that we've got some exciting stuff to talk about next week. We're going to be talking about harvesting, which is a very large, broad topic. Um, and Leo Burby is a sponsor for that next week as well. So super, super excited. We're going to talk about harvesting specifics for um, some things that are very time sensitive when it comes to harvest. So you'll want to be here for next week for that one. Um, but please do follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram under Clara Joyce Flowers. If you have questions um, from today's episode or ideas for new topics, you can send those to me at drew at clarajoyceflowers.com. On our website, clarajoyceflowers.com, we've got merchandise, uh, plants, flower seeds, tubers, all that fun jazz that you can purchase, and we will ship it right to your door. Um, also, depending on your streaming platform, please feel free to like, comment, subscribe, and leave a little feedback on the episodes, how we're doing, things we should know, etc. I always enjoy reading those and sharing those with the crew, so we can't wait to share those little nuggets of joy <laughs> throughout the day. So um, with that, I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day, and I will talk to you next week. And um, I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.